Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hi, everybody. I'm Tressie McMillan-Cottom, the co-host with Roxanne Gay of Here to Slay, only on Luminary. We have an excerpt from this week's show that we'd like to share with you. We recently spoke with the best-selling cookbook author, Julia Tertian, about food, cooking, and body image. If you want to hear more, you can listen to the whole thing by going to luminary.link slash slay. Julia Tertian, welcome to Here to Slay. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. I'm a fan of your food. I've eaten it, prepared by you. Ha <laughs> uh, Yes, flex. Oh, that is exciting. Yes. What did you have? Oh, roast chicken and this salad. <laughs> oh. No, tell us about it like so we had eaten it. Okay. There was this glorious roast chicken. Okay. And it had a lot of herbs and seasoning. I love herby chicken. Mm-hmm. And then there was a salad, and I love salad. There was, I think, potatoes. All I remember thinking was... I'm in heaven, and this is delicious. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful food. Mm. Now you have a new cookbook called Simply Julia, 110 Easy Recipes for Healthy Comfort Food. And I must say, having made a couple of the recipes, the food is quite beautiful and a little healthy (laughs) and delicious. Can I tell you my version of that dinner? (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Yes. I have like remade that dinner in my head so many times because I feel like so many things went wrong. (laughs) No way. Are you serious? (laughs) I just like want to cook this dinner for you all over again. But I'm so glad you remembered it. I mean, I volunteer as tribute, but after you left. Pretend it went terrible. And Roxanne, you need to do a Seriously, After you left, Debbie and I were like, "Mm, we need to have them over again. I mean, anytime. Anytime. Have you been able to do anything remotely like a small dinner party, a self-sustaining, edifying thing (laughs) recently? Um, (laughs) I am planning on one tonight. My parents are coming to our house. Our meaning my wife, Grace, and I. They are Mm -hmm. they're on their way after this podcast. Um, They have not been inside our house in over a year. We've had some backyard stuff, but Mm -hmm. everyone is fully vaccinated and they're sleeping over and I'm making dinner and I am so excited. I'm so excited. That is that is thrilling. so so exciting. The fully vaccinated life is a good one. We are fully vaccinated, as are my parents, and we've actually have been bubbling with my parents since uh, December. Mm-hmm. It's been lovely after almost a year of not seeing them mm-hmm. to then have them with us uh, has, was really fulfilling. So mm-hmm. I hope that you guys have a really lovely oh, evening. Thank you. I'm going to pretend like you're telling me this and I've heard it for the first time, but I'm a longtime listener of the show. So I know your parents have been with you. I'm so oh. glad they're with you. <laughs> That's right. That our mother's ready to oh, expand the guest house. Listen, We're all caught up. You're right? a real one then. You are a real <laughs> yeah. one. Julia, may yes? I 
ask, what are you preparing for dinner? Oh, sure. You totally may ask. I am going to make, I feel like a broken record. I'm going to make a roast chicken. Uh huh. We have a collection of various potatoes in our house. We have some little potatoes. We have some random sweet potatoes. So I'm going to cut them all up, put mm-hmm. them in the dish with the chicken. I think I'm going to roast it low and slow. Like, yeah. I'll start it this afternoon and we'll eat it for dinner. Caesar salad, because it's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And when I make the dressing, I call it Julius Caesar. And it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I do. I know. And I think I'm also going to make a cobbler. So I did a cobbler recipe in this new cookbook called cobbler. Any Frozen Fruit Cobbler, because you can use any frozen fruit. And I'm a big believer in frozen mm-hmm. fruit. Because it's so good and it's already like cleaned and washed and ready and to go. And life is hard enough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So I had this really amazing social media moment because the like Oregon board of frozen berries or something saw that I've been on my soapbox about frozen fruit and they sent me mm-hmm. like a few pounds of blackberries. <laughs> As one does. So I think I'm going to make like a blackberry cobbler. Can I just say that I am on the record as being pro cake? Oh, in the cake versus pie wars. Yes. The cobbler, however, is for me the compromise. Mm-hmm. As a Southerner, I feel like a cobbler is its own distinct mm-hmm. genre. I don't think of it as pie. I know lots of pie people think of it as a version of the pie. I'm like, no, if you have to include cobbler, you are already conceding that pie is inferior. <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm very much in favor of the cobbler. And I am so excited to hear about that as if I'm having some myself. You know, Julia, you have a new cookbook and... One of the interesting things about the cookbook is that you call it uh, recipes for healthy comfort food. You know, I know that there's a lot of value judgment that we place on food as healthy or unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, clean. Oh, don't get me started clean about fucking food. Clean food. I hate. Like, I what know, the fuck are you talking about? I think it's the most <laughs> evil term to be introduced. Like, are you not washing yeah. your shit? Like, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a Caucasian problem to me. Uh, <laughs> And I know that you've written recently about your changing relationship to your body and to your food. And so I would love for you to tell us about that journey to get to a place where you could write this cookbook full of just truly beautiful food. Um, I would love to tell you that. And I have to just admit, it's very surreal to answer this question coming from you, Roxanne, and talking to the both of you together, because both of you, your work has been a huge part of how I think I've come to understand this sort of shift. So I'll back up and just say that I totally grew up in diet culture. I didn't know that not losing weight was like a goal that one could have or the absence of a goal. Mm-hmm. And my household, we were a dieting household, like full of Snackwell's cookies, Boca burgers, all this stuff. Right. My parents uh, both worked in publishing. They worked in the magazine industry. So I also grew up in a house where my parents were making the images and headlines of things that I was, you know, comparing myself to. Mm-hmm. We were all comparing ourselves to. And basically, I just assumed that the meaning of healthy meant skinny, And because that's what I saw and I never questioned it. And I wasn't around anyone who questioned Mm. it. And I have had this lifelong love of cooking since I was a little kid. Like before I can remember, the only place I want to be is the kitchen. And the kitchen is where I feel most connected, where I feel most curious, where I feel most joyful, where I feel most confident. Not that I think everything's going to turn out well, like the dinner I made for Roxanne and Debbie, but I trust myself in the kitchen. Like this confidence isn't that I think it's all going to be great. I just feel like I can figure it out. You can handle it. That's the thing. That's real confidence. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm so lucky that I've had that my whole life. And at the same time, I have not had the same joy and confidence when it comes to eating and just being in my body. It's been very fraught for me. I've felt things like guilt and shame and, you know, the list goes on of those kinds of adjectives. And basically, this all kind of came to this boiling point, no pun intended. (laughs) It started when I met my wife, Grace, because Mm -hmm. Grace got into a relationship with me, someone who hated her body. And Mm -hmm. that was hard for us, for her, for me. And Grace had worked through a lot of stuff, which was her story to tell of getting kind of to another side or the other side of this. Mm -hmm. And I think being around me was really triggering for her. And so we as a couple just kind of started talking about that. And in these conversations, I had this huge realization. I had limited myself to two feelings in my entire life. And I realized I had only ever felt happy or fat. Oh. Little did I know that fat wasn't even a feeling. I was about to say that's not even a feeling. (laughs) Exactly. And how much though do I also both love and also feel like uh, pangs of recognition Mm -hmm. and how it took someone else loving you to for you to consider how you were loving yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I have to say, I've been dealing with that a mm-hmm. lot lately because after two years of very rapid weight loss because of weight loss surgery, I have mm-hmm. plateaued mm-hmm. in a very frustrating way. It's part mm-hmm. of the process. I'm going to get past it, but I'm struggling with the plateau mm-hmm. and the pressure of being publicly fat. And the expectation that I should be walking around in a size six. Mm-hmm. Also living with someone who has a reasonably good relationship mm-hmm. with her body. I mean, she's a woman who grew up in this world, so there are some issues. Mm-hmm. But she loves me and my body no matter what, whether it was two years ago or today or wherever it goes from here. And we've been having some really intense conversations because she's like, why are you dieting? Mm -hmm. Who are you doing this for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And do you realize you don't have to do this? Because certainly don't do it for me. Yeah. And I've really had to, you know, as much as I think I'm progressive, like I've really had to realize, like, I genuinely think that I need to like punish myself until I get to like the whatever magical right size. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to break that programming. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I don't know that I've broken it. I just, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've turned the light on and now I can't unsee all this stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think Grace did for me what it sounds like Debbie did for you. And from a distance, what's been honestly Mm -hmm. just so beautiful to watch in your relationship. And it makes me so grateful that I can identify with this. You know, Grace invited me to look at myself through her eyes. Like Mm -hmm. that is an act Mm -hmm. of love and generosity. And Mm -hmm. it's something that I wish I didn't have to do to see myself in this way. Like, I wish I could just get there on my own. Mm -hmm. But it's, I mean, it's been really helpful. Yeah. But that's the thing. You don't get there on your own. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you don't get out of it on your own. Exactly. Right. You got there by seeing yourself through the eyes of others. Well said. Yeah. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. so I think it's only fair that love would pull you back out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's interesting. We actually hear a lot of rhetoric about how you have to love yourself before someone else can love you, et cetera. You know, listen, I've been loved plenty of times without loving (laughs) myself. Uh, But sometimes it is necessary to see yourself through someone else's eyes. Like it did like when Debbie says that, then I pause and think, oh, because it, it took me a long, long time and I'm it's I'm still working on it to like genuinely believe 
that she actually likes me, mm-hmm. not just tolerates mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. likes me mm-hmm. as I am mm-hmm. and is attracted to me as I am. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to believe, I think, for people who grow up in this world that gives women so many messages. What are you trying to do now that you are on this sort of shaky new ground mm-hmm. of seeing yourself through Grace's eyes? What am I trying to do personally or professionally? Yeah. I think both because I don't, you know, I think especially when it comes to food for someone who is a professional cook, I don't know. Can you separate those things? Mm. I mean, that's like the eternal Mm -hmm. question. Um, I have a very blurry line between my work life and personal life. Welcome to the party. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would say what I'm trying to do personally is be incredibly honest with myself and apply the same compassion to myself that I try to apply to the people in my life who I love very Mm -hmm. much. I'm working with an amazing therapist. I've worked with so many different types of therapists. I could talk all day Mm -hmm. about different types of therapy. And Mm -hmm. I'm now working with a therapist who like specializes in body justice. That's like what it says Mm -hmm. on the website. And that has been awesome. I will shout her out here. Her name is Carmen Cool. We meet on Zoom. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great thank you. She's great. Because people are always looking, finding therapists who are fluent in the language Mm -hmm. of different kinds of bodies, different kinds of lives, um, a justice orientation, and is good, and you can access them online. Like, that's just such a gift. So thanks for that. Yeah, of course. And I found her, I will say, through Dr. Lindo Bacon, who wrote Radical mm-hmm. Belonging and Health at Every Size and these books. Dr. Bacon, they came up to me at an event, introduced themselves. I looked at them and I thought, hmm, you're skinny. Not what you were expecting. And, and I, I, I had to confront yeah. some, some issues there totally. because I thought, how can I take you seriously about Healthy at Every Size when you're that size? Yeah, yeah. But then I started to look into their work and it's been an interesting journey. I will also just say, because cookbook author recipes like love tangible takeaways, like Mm -hmm. if Carmen is booked, um, the intuitive eating website, I believe, has a list of counselors who are like certified in it. And the Health at Every Size website has a registry of counselors who um, work through a Health at Every Size lens. So these are just really helpful resources. I think it's a really interesting thing that I guess leads me into like, what am I trying to do professionally attempting to do? Because I think so much of the discourse around fatness is spoken by really thin people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that speaking to fat people and just listening to fat people is really important. And I honestly don't know if I'm fat. I've thought I was. I know I'm not in a very fat body, but it just feels really valuable to me to contribute what I can, which is I know how to make cookbooks. So if I can make a cookbook that's healthy food that has nothing to do with weight loss, that feels valuable. Mm -hmm. I think cookbooks are really interesting. And I think they have a lot of power to sway culture in a way that's very underestimated because how so they're welcomed into people's homes like no uh-huh. other type of media. Okay. They're seen as so friendly, so warm. You know, mm-hmm. my cookbooks are totally like queer propaganda. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Like there's not a pride flag on the cover. Like this book is so much about like anti-diet culture, but it's not like an academic text. And all of these things are important, like so mm-hmm. important. But I just feel like when this stuff is coming from everywhere, like 
just as you were saying, like when all these people and voices contribute to it, like you need a lot of people and voices to get out of it. Like That's right. We have to yeah. respond from everywhere. So like right. I, I try to use my cookbooks as like Trojan horses for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. like here's some really easy, simple recipes, like have fun. <laughs> like it's not all serious. And it's nice mm-hmm. to mix in, I think, fun and pleasure with a mm-hmm. really serious conversation. Like it makes mm-hmm. it more this is so corny, but it's like, it makes it more digestible, right? (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) I see. I do see. I do. (laughs) You were talking about, um, before you were so rudely interrupted by me, you were talking about having like two emotions that you could Mm. label happy Mm -hmm. and fat at some point. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know I've read in something, I think another interview you did, I could not believe you said this because this is a thing I actually seriously recommend to adults that I thought I was the only one. You talk about trying to label your emotions mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. and said so you got one of those charts that they yeah. put in kindergarten classrooms, yep. which I love those charts. I'm not even, and that is not hyperbole. So like for the people who don't have kids or maybe mm-hmm. haven't been to a classroom recently, there are these wonderful charts that they uh, some teachers put in their classrooms and the children, when they're about to have a meltdown or, you know, is not, <laughs> not in good sorts, as my grandfather would say, the teacher will say, point to your feelings. And mm-hmm. it has a visual representation of different feelings. Like, are you sad? Are you lonely? Are you right? All these other things. And you said you use it to help you label and process your emotions. Where did you get this idea from? Because I thought I'd made it up. I just want you to know. I thought I created that. Do you have one of the posters? <laughs> I have a digital one up on okay. my, because we're virtual right now in our classroom yeah. uh, at the university. But I do have a digital one, really. Okay. Yeah. Um. So mine, I use it to this day, because again, I'm not I'm not an expert on any of this. I'm not through it. I'm not on the other side. Mm-hmm. I'm just like very willing to be very honest. Mm. So it's on my wall. It's right behind me. Yeah. This is something I look at constantly because I I imagine the two of you being, you know, writers, scholars, the people that you are, you might relate to this, that I tend to live very much in my head and I don't oh, always yeah. feel super connected to my body. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. So often I feel like I know I don't feel good. <laughs> Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I don't know what I feel. And oh, I yeah. go and I stand in front of this poster and I look and I try and figure out what I actually feel. And for so long, I had used the word fat, this simple, short mm-hmm. word. I had used that word to describe so many things and anything other than happy. I didn't even know happy and fat could exist at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's so sad. And this really, I just, I cannot give enough thanks to my wife, Grace, because she basically was the person in my life when I said, oh, I feel so fat. She said, can you tell me what you actually feel? Mm-hmm. I never had that before. Go, Grace. Yeah. Oh, no, Grace. What is, a great question. Yeah. That is a great question. Yeah. I am actually going to ask myself that yeah. next time. What do you actually feel right now? So like in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> No, and it's it's really, I'd be so curious to know, <laughs> you, know yeah. you don't have to tell me, but like, I'm not trying to stop the thought. That's going to be, I think, impossible for me, at least at this point. And then I feel like a failure if I have the thought and I'm sick mm-hmm. of feeling like a failure. <laughs> I'm just right, sick of right. It. So yeah. I just try to get curious about it. And it's like, so what am I actually feeling? Yeah. So I stand in front of the poster and I, I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> You can listen to our full interview with Julia Tertian and many other amazing conversations that we have been having on Here to Slay. You do that by going to luminary.link slash slay. 
not.com, luminary.link slash slay. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. <laughs> 